CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Wow, wow, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Canadian Football Countdown. My name is Michael Gill. I'll be joined by Ryan Poop in one second. Uh, the Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out these and all the other great shows by visiting TFPod Network on Twitter. I'm in studio. Ryan is somewhere... In Winnipeg, making his way from work uh, due to his scheduling conflict, will join us today via the phone. Good afternoon, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. Hello, everybody. Yes, uh, this works out so well when we tried it a couple weeks ago as I was stuck in traffic that, you know, we had a scheduling conflict. We figured might as well try this again. So you may just say I'm on the road again. Happy to be back also after we took a week off last week as we were both feeling under the weather. Uh, I'm for the most part feeling better. I apologize if I inadvertently cough into the microphone a little bit. I will attempt not to, but uh, how are you feeling yourself, Mike? Yeah, no, I know. I have much the same. I, I think we didn't end up uh, spending any time together since we last did our show after that Bomber Rider game, but I think we may have come come down with that same illness but been seemingly lurking around Winnipeg and I know a bunch of other people uh, around the station have it too so it's a so wicked virus or cold or whatever you want to call it that's going around but nonetheless just like the pros we must soldier on and soldier on indeed uh, Ryan as we talk quickly about the Let's kind of look back at the, I don't think we've had a, had a uh, show, in fact, I know we didn't, since the Bombers made the trade for Zach Kalaros. Uh so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that before we get going. Well, obviously the thoughts are a bit different going into this week than they would have been going into last week with, you know, how banged up Chris Strebler got in the game on uh, over the weekend against Calgary, you know, will he play this week? Will he not? I mean, he was, the guy could barely walk out there. It was a miracle he stayed in the game, and many are arguing he probably shouldn't have stayed in the game. So we know Zach Caleros took first team reps this week. We'll see if he plays this game. Of course, the Bombers aren't going to tell anybody which of their three quarterbacks is the starter this week. You know, when they made, I said this to you, when they made the trade for Zach Caleros, I applauded the Bombers for making a move at the quarterback position, showing the fans, uh, you know, and, and themselves, really, that, hey, we're not comfortable with the situation we have right now going into the playoffs. I, I fully applaud them for making a move. I agree they had to make a move. I just hate to say it. I don't think Zach Caleros was the move to make. And, and it's nothing against his him talent-wise, I think Zach Caleros, if he ever gets back to the full health he was at, uh, was back, you know, when he was at his best, can be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he's shown signs he's had those three concussions uh, last year. He wasn't on his game, I believe, largely due to those. 
they got another one again this year. Like, you know, this guy's one small hit away from being a walking injury. Well, here's the interesting thing. Do you remember that injury happened in that Saskatchewan first game? Uh, it happened, uh, believe it or not, the third offensive play of the season in Hamilton, as I recall correctly. Um, but anyway, and there was this narrative about, and I was listening to uh, actually news out of Regina this week about how, you know, the narrative has somewhat changed because if you remember even our playoff, our, sorry, not our playoff, but our uh, preseason predictions, we basically hung the Riders' hopes on Zach Talaros' help, and little did we know that a gentleman by the name of Cody Pajardo would seemingly take this team by storm, take the lead by storm. He's probably going to finish the lead atop the passing yardage record. He's a few yards back of Mike Riley, who's now done for the season. So it's funny how the narrative has changed, and now all of a sudden it's, you know, Zach Hilaros, despite being hurt, hurt three plays into the season, has the potential to basically try to be a helping hand in how the Winnipeg Blue Bombers season ends. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic. You mentioned we all thought that the Riders' season was a hinge on Coleros' health, but it's almost it did so in the reverse because Coleros getting injured led to Cody Pajardo, who just this week signed a two-year extension with the Riders, coming in, may very well be an MOP candidate, and has led them to, you know, currently tied for the best record in the West Division and has a chance to uh, quit, to walk up first place in the division. So it's crazy how that kind of turns around. Um, as far as Zach Galeros here in Winnipeg, you know, you were kind of debating this with me last week. We didn't have a show to talk about it here, but we were we were talking with one another about it of, you know, who do you start? Because Chris Trevler had been struggling, but he did just have that win over Montreal last week. Uh, I think it was perfectly reasonable that he continues starting, but now he's injured. Uh, where are we going from here with the Bombers quarterback situation? You you have the, this last weekend, key loss to Calgary. Strebler puts his all out there. Like, mad respect to the guy for how how much he battled through the injuries as much as we all wish he wasn't continued to be sent out there. Um, you have Sean McGuire who got a couple snaps in that game, but hasn't played much. And you have Zach Galero too. I think all of us are collectively holding our breaths to see him out there because we know what one hit could do to him based on his recent injury history. Like you have these three quarterbacks. How do you balance this going into the rematch with Calgary in the final game of the regular season? Not just not just the the final game of the regular season here. We're also talking about, quite frankly, the final game of the season for the Blue Bombers, which is basically magnified as far as implications go. I mean, I know the Bombers can't finish first any longer, but you know, let's be frank here. We're talking about you know one million to one point two five to one point five million. And that's the revenue that could be gained for the football club by virtue of hosting a home game. So, you know, it's not one of those situations of, oh, it's the second last week of the season, you're locked into a position, choose one of your three starters and choose wisely kind of scenario. 
people are selling short the magnitude of this football game for not just them, but for the Calgary Stampeders and also the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So it's been a while in in my time of following the CFL. I can't recall going into the second last week of the season and not not knowing who was going to finish first in the division, second in the, in the division, or third in the division. Now, for all intents and purposes, each team's uh, finishing position can be rather uh, straightforwardly decided, if I may, if that's a proper term, with, you know, a couple results here and a couple results there. But what makes it intriguing is, yes, the Bombers are still in the running for a home playoff game set in place, which you've seen to sell me on the fact that, you know, the Bombers need at least one home game. We don't know if they can both go into Calgary and both, you know, go into Regina. And then you're also potentially ruling, not even talking about the very, very unlikely scenario that all three teams finish and finish tied. So, yeah, there's a lot at stake. And I think I crunched the numbers to you earlier. The three teams are combined like 21 and 5 at home. So, maybe home field advantage is important. And maybe the Bombers, and rightfully so, are playing to win this football game. But, you know, and the old saying of a bat-to-bat is usually a split. Well, I'll tell you what. Sure, it might benefit the Bombers, but they lost last week. And the numbers suggest that they're going to win this week. But everybody says, hey, you know what? It's Calgary, and uh, Calgary isn't to be taken lightly. And the possibility of Calgary being home for the entire playoffs, straight up included, is very much a possibility. So... Yeah, there is a lot at stake here, unlike anything we've seen in years. And I think that all three teams, and we can kind of get into this after talking about the, after talking about the games, if you want. No, none of these three teams are perfect, uh, either as far as, you know, they don't have a blemish or they don't have a weak spot on their roster. Because I think all three of them do. It's just a matter of, I can't recall games of such utmost importance this late in the season. Well, it's kind of funny because you have six of the nine teams in the CFL have their placements. I I know Ottawa, BC, Toronto, you know, they can jockey for positioning for the draft picks a little bit, but they're eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, Montreal, Hamilton, Edmonton, we know what their playoff situation is going to be like. We have six teams. We, have, we know which six teams are making the playoffs. We have six teams in the CFL where we know what their playoff kind of status is. And then we have these three teams just in this dogfight at the top of the West. And that, you know, it's interesting now. Sure, Winnipeg and Calgary play each other this week, but the crucial kind of battle between these three teams depends on all these other teams in the league that have nothing particularly to play for right now. And the interesting thing is you haven't even mentioned the regular season series between Winnipeg and Calgary. That's basically a playoff game in itself this week. Yeah, and, you know, how things are going to transpire. Let's say Saskatchewan ends up winning the division. You have the home-and-home between Winnipeg and Calgary one week and then another game between the two, like three games in four weeks. 
you know, as, as much as I go and I, I do stand by what I said that you already mentioned, that I don't think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will go on to win the Grey Cup this year if they don't get a home playoff game. I don't think they're going to go into Calgary and Saskatchewan, two places where they, you know, historically in recent history have struggled greatly to pull out wins. I know they played close games in both cities so far this year to give it a hope, but I, 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 just, I have a hard time seeing that. The only thing that may trend me in the direction is, let's say Calgary wins these next two games or wins this week. They win two straight against the Bombers. I'm telling you, as hard as it is to win two straight, I think beating a team three times in four weeks is even more crazy. And, and you know, I'm, I'm interested to see just the gamesmanship that's going to happen if that's the case. Is that why Michael Shea in your mind is not revealing who the starter is this week? Oh, absolutely. You know, I actually wouldn't be surprised. Like, let's say Chris Trevor's injury is kind of bad. You know, pick which quarterback you want to be your starter for the playoff game against Calgary and start the other one this week. Do you think Calgary buys uh, in? Do you buys into that game? I don't know. It's it's one of those things where or you review all the footage, like. All the footage for the past month, essentially, for the Bombers at that point would be on the Calgary Stampeders. And besides Calgary's game with BC, the vice versa, right? So it's just an interesting wrinkle in the CFL schedule. I know we have the back-to-back with Saskatchewan and Edmonton. They won't play each other in the playoffs unless they somehow end up facing each other in the Grey Cup, which is a possibility, but I don't think it's a likely one. Um Props to the CFL schedule makers. They, they've made a bigger push in recent history to have uh, meaningful division matchup games down the stretch. You know, in the final couple of the weeks of the season, it's for the most part just in division. And it's paying off with some huge games in the final couple of weeks. I can't, I, I can't believe we're already into week 20 of the season. Bring it on. I can't wait for the playoffs. As sad as it means. I'm sad it's over, right? Well, yeah, but tell me, take out Hamilton, because I think Hamilton is far and away the Grey Cup favorite. But if you take Hamilton out of it, who, who do you have to win the Grey Cup? Um, I mean, Hamilton is my clear favorite to win the Grey Cup. I think any of the other teams, if you want to take them out of it, that's a good shot. I, I, I would say... Montreal can surprise people in the playoffs to get it done. Calgary, Saskatchewan looks solid. Winnipeg, I'm a little more down on just based on recent play. But, hey, stranger things have happened. Anyway, I I know you'd be interested to hear this because, uh, anyway, so Bob Irving is reporting, and you may, may or may not have seen this. Michael Shea said he hasn't decided on a starting quarterback for Friday's game against Calgary, but Chris Traveler was only limping slightly today while Zach Kalaros continued to get a lot of work. Look, if Chris Strebler, Chris Strebler is going to push to play in this football game. Nice. We saw it with the sticking at Syracuse Calgary. We know he's going to. And Mike O'Shea is a guy who, has, you know, his stubbornness, his loyalty, many may say to a fault, and many are angry at him for it. I wouldn't be surprised to see Mike O'Shea go and say, oh, okay. Chris thinks he can play. He wants to play. Sure, let's let him play. He's our best. Because, to be fair, 
out of the three quarterbacks, I, I still think Chris Trevor is the one who gives the Bombers the best chance to win a football game. I, I think he's shown in the last couple of weeks. I know they didn't win this one, but I have to wonder if he isn't, you know, have a half-broken leg out there, if the Bombers can pull out the close win over Calgary. Well, he, here's the thing, right? I commend Michael Schaefer giving, for giving his starter all the chance in the world to get healthy, and quite frankly, I think he's going to give him until Friday night, 7.29 p.m., if it comes down to it, that the game's at 7.30, give him all that time up to, to, to figure out whether he can play. I just think there comes a point where at some point you got to realize, hey, there's the playoff game in two weeks. That might be slightly a little bit better than the last regular season game of the season, contrary to what's on the line this week. Before we move on to talking about some of the other games, Mike, I just have a bit of a bone to pick with the CFL tiebreaker system because the way it's set up, and, and you know, you can go to CFL.ca, search for the tiebreaker rules there. The way it's set up and the way it's worded just caused so much confusion this week uh, until they eventually ironed it out. But immediately, you know, after the Bomber game on uh, on the weekend, <laughs> it gets into all of a sudden – everybody's talking, oh, what would be the scenario now? What happens here if it's a two-way tiebreaker, three-way tiebreaker? I know I got very much involved in that. Heck, I assumed I was right. You know, I read the tiebreakers. There's a little note at the bottom in a three-way tiebreaker that, you know, if any team is eliminated during one of the tiebreakers, the tiebreakers reset to the first one for the other two teams tied. But does that mean... You know, the first place is eliminated, is chosen first. Does third place get chosen first? Um, is it only if two of the three teams are tied from the first tiebreaker? Like, every media personality, and I was discussing this with various of them on Twitter, every fan seems to think the, the tiebreakers mean a different thing. So how do we know? I guess we just, for in the future, I, I you know, hey, I, I'm sorry I got it wrong. I, I guess we just wait till we hear from the CFL because everybody seems to have a different interpretation of the tiebreaker. Well, here's the thing. It's one of those scenarios just like you hit the nail on the head and suggested that, uh, you know, four different people could have four different interpretations of the tiebreaker. And rightfully so. I think you leave that open to subjectiveness, the way it's worded. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, the way it's worded makes me think of it the way you're thinking of it. But if the CFL is thinking of it a different way, I think it's on them to start to clarify it. Yeah, I'm wondering if, you know, like, add some examples to the website's documentation. Like, uh, add some examples. Let's say Team A has won games against Team B. Granted, then it's, you know, a 30-minute read through the tiebreakers, but hey, you know, we'd probably save more time. And frankly, maybe we should just wait till the CFL, you know, if we would have waited two days. But it's fun to speculate on these things. I love tiebreaker math. I think it's fascinating, especially when you get into like four or five levels deep of a three, three-way three tiebreaker. But, you know, the CFL has established, and, you know, I'm full out there. I, 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 I went and, you know, gave some Bomber fans, hope this week because my interpretation of the three-way tiebreaker 
you know, had the Bombers finishing first. The CFL has said that's not the case. Uh, it, in the case of a three-way tie, it would be Calgary, Winnipeg, and Saskatchewan. I believe that was the order, correct? Correct, yeah. By virtue of the record of the head-to-head between the three teams. If that made sense. Yeah, it's the win percentage. Yeah, it's the win percentage of the game. I had that far right. I knew Calgary would would have, you know, six, uh, would be three out of five. Winnipeg would be three out of six. Saskatchewan would be two out of five. I just assumed that, you know, Saskatchewan was eliminated, put in third place. Tiebreakers would reset. Winnipeg would have season series over Calgary in a theoretical tiebreaker. But apparently that's not how they work. So, uh, yeah, Bombers can't finish first anymore, but they can still uh, host the home playoff game uh, if they, you know, can blow the win over Calgary this week and have Calgary losing to BC in week 21, which transitions kind of to the next thing I want to talk about, Mike, and that's the BC Lions here. Uh, we didn't have a show last week uh, when Mike Riley got injured in that game against Edmonton. BC's playoff hope ended at that point as well. They were eliminated. Uh, it's just tough to see, man. Like, Mike Riley has taken a beating all season long. Uh, somehow was the only starting healthy quarterback remaining. And then now that his offensive line is finally doing a better job of protecting him for the most part, he got hit by Clay Kuboateng in what I thought was a clean hit and, uh, you know, has to have wrist surgery to done for the season. It, it sucks to see. Yeah, and it's, it's ironic, right? Because wasn't he the only quarterback in a lead but hadn't missed any games or any snaps or any starts and... Man, I, I, I know I talked to you about this, but I think it makes the CFL rationale for only dressing two quarterbacks that you're absolutely absurd. Yeah, I, I, do you agree with me? I wouldn't be surprised if they changed that this offseason based on what happened this year. Well, to me, here's the situation. The CFL had no choice. If the general managers say, we don't want to not dress two quarterbacks, we want three quarterbacks just for security, then the CFL had no choice but to change the rule. That, that's just how I see it. Yeah, like, like I think, and, and I, I guess they wanted to open another roster spot up for other positions. For, for but, what? For yeah, what? Right, Ryan, what are they going to do that for? Uh, CFL 2.0 player who makes probably the same amount of money as your third-string quarterback? the rationale behind it either, uh, especially given how many uh, guys have gone down at the most important position on the football field. You know, let's say, and we've seen this before, you know, you have, okay, a couple offensive linemen go down in a game, but now all of a sudden one of your defensive linemen has to go and switch out his numbers and play on offense as well. He can still do that. I don't know if all of a sudden your two quarterbacks go down in a game. How many guys are going to be able to put in there and say, okay, we need you to go in and play quarterback right now. You've never thrown, you've never played quarterback in your life. Now go lead this team down the field to a game-winning victory. Like, wow. I mean, Brad Sinopoli, all, Brad Sinopoli all of a sudden becomes a lot more valuable. Uh, uh, shoot, who's that corner on the statue? Nick Marshall. Yeah. Like, okay, let me, let, let, let me put it to you this way. Are you comfortable with Andrew Harris being the quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bomber? Are you comfortable with uh, Nick Marshall being quarterback? Are you comfortable with 
Tony Smith, a defensive a DB, being quarterback because he got quarterback in high school. Does that not give the CFO a black eye? Well, let me ask you this is an interesting question here. I don't think the two things are related, but we've seen quite a few trick plays this year where teams have, you know, swapped it off to a running back or a receiver, had him throw the ball down the field. We saw, you know, a couple of Deron Carter passes. Geno Lewis has thrown a touchdown pass. Darvin Adams has had a couple. Are teams all of a sudden auditioning guys for a third-string quarterback job fill-in next year when they can't have a third QB on the roster? I don't know. Those trip plays for me have been around for a while. It just seemed like we were having more this year. I don't, to be fair, I don't think the two are related. It was just a funny observation to make that, you know, hey, you're, you're petitioning to be the guy thrown in there at quarterback if all of a sudden your two starters, your starter and your backup go down next year. Or, or at the very least, why don't you mandate that each team has a, a quarterback from U Sport that they can have on their practice roster if you're not going to let them just, just a, a third string? Yeah, do something. The NHL lets you go and call an accountant from the team office that's on the ice to play goalie if you need to. Yeah, that's... Why can't you, like, you're gonna, you're gonna eliminate the third spot. Do something like that. What are you gonna do? With the youth sports. What are you gonna do? Have an emergency, uh, accountant? Like, not Scott Foster play quarterback? I, I, I don't know, Mike. I, I, I think the CFL needs to change that plan this offseason. I think they will change that plan, and I, I think that's something we'll definitely explore more in the offseason. Um, Let's talk about the game this week between the BC Lions and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The, uh, obviously it was a big game for the implications of, you know, the, the three-way race for the top of the West between Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and Calgary. Uh, what do you think of this game? Because Danny O'Brien comes in, gets his first start. I, I don't know why I did, but one minute before kickoff, I decided to start Danny O'Brien as my fantasy quarterback for the week. Really don't have an explanation for it, but I did. Um, wasn't doing so well. Gets pulled. Grant Kramer comes in, gets injured. Danny O'Brien goes back in, throws touchdown pass, makes it interestingly. How do you think he fared? And uh, were you a little surprised the Riders didn't run away with this one? I was very surprised the Riders didn't run away with this one. Uh... I made the comment to you because I was out for this one, so I, I was doing a hockey game uh, on the station. So if you were listening to the station, that for you, um, you would have heard me do a hockey game. But I came home and I said to you, only 12-9? And you were like, yeah. So, But for for me, it was, it was very evident early on in the third quarter, I want to say, late second quarter. Some reason I can't remember when I got home, but Saskatchewan started imposing their will after BC just couldn't uh, sustain what they had going, and Saskatchewan was one of those like, yeah, you know what, we'll let you play with us for so long, and then we'll pull away. And at, at the end of the day, in my opinion, the better team won. The team that was supposed to win won, but. To me, I think I, I, the only concern I have right now, and I know this probably won't happen in the playoffs because, well, it's the playoffs, but 
Saskatchewan went almost playing down to BC level for the first half of this football game, and thank goodness they snapped out of it because they wouldn't have heard the end of it if they would have lost that team. It, it was the classic trap game, right? That's exactly what it was. Nobody, nobody was expecting BC to come and win this one. Heck, we were, you know, hoping for a miracle. We both said. Uh, we, we sure hope they win, BC wins, because that helps the Bombers, but let's be realistic, we're not expecting this, and then I'm watching this game, and, you know, all of a sudden, BC makes it close at the end, and I'm like, I can't believe this might actually happen, but, oh, after didn't the Riders go on to win the game, uh, really helps them out, uh, they pretty much are very close to a home playoff game, unless we have that three-way tie at 11 and 7, which would mean they'd have to lose out. Calgary would have to lose the game. Winnipeg would have to. I, I lost the train of thought on the tiebreakers, but very unlikely that Saskatchewan's going to not host a home playoff game after this win. Um, props to the Riders for getting it done, but yeah, things were looking a little dicey there. The BC defense, you know, managed to put up a couple key stops and uh, kept it close. So anyway, uh, here's some breaking news. Are you ready for it? Eskimos quarterback Trevor Harris practiced full out again today. Jason Moss says Harris, no, there's no reports of pain or tightness in Harris's throwing arm. Plan is for Harris to start on Saturday against the Riders and go the distance. Running back C.J. Dable was not on the field today. For him to come back for the Eskimos, right? You get two games against top divisional opponent heading into the playoff. Uh, need to go get some of the rest off from the injury and get them ready to go for the playoffs because the Eskimos are going to go into Montreal. They have to beat Montreal. They have to beat Hamilton just to get to Calgary for the Great Cup. That, that's going to be a tough feat. Uh, you know, we always talk about the crossover uh, and how, how the crossover team never really makes it to the Great Cup. I think it's going to be harder than ever this year. Yeah, the, the closest team to ever do it was the year the Ardos won the great top. Uh, Saskatchewan almost did it. But, again, to do it twice, and I think it's the twice on the road, but it's the difficult thing. Uh, but you just never know. You, you never know. It could happen. Um, it's certainly a boost for the Eskimos to get him back. You know, Logan Kilgore, I don't think Kilgore has been terrible. In the time he's been, I, I wouldn't say he's been great either. I'd say he's been what I expect a lot of times, a backup quarterback with not much experience to come in and be if he's all of a sudden thrust into the starting role. But, uh, hey, he got the Eskimos into the playoffs. I know it was, it was a bit of a close call coming down to the last couple games of the season here, but got the Eskimos into the playoffs. Trevor Harris comes back. He can get back to the form he was in early in the season. Edmonton can do some things in the playoffs. And then, and then that ties into a potentially another trap game for the Riders this week and how that kind of factors into this discussion a little bit. Also, it's the back end of three straight road games for the Riders this week in Edmonton. How, what do you think about, um, I mean, of course, everybody makes it out to be, you know, the, the Riders are what they are with Cody Pajardo. They're going for first place. and But is there something to be said that you need to be sharp going into the playoffs? And I know 
but you know, just Jackson was lucky to to not lucky to win, but it took them a while to get pointed in PC uh for the trap game reason. What are what are some ways in your mind that the riders can avoid the same thing from happening this week? Because I mean, I would imagine that that sh- that the riders would get a shot in the arm. Uh, sorry, the Eskimos would get a shot in the arm from getting one of their better players back in in Trevor Harris. So how did the is this game? Did this game just become kind of unintentionally more interesting? Well. One of the things that I, I particularly noticed, and many have noticed, is sure, you know, Trevor Harris is coming back. I, I think if I were to critique Trevor Harris's career, I'd say he's, he's a great quarterback in the CFL, but I think he struggles when you get pressure on him. Um, we saw that a lot of times when he was in Ottawa. You know, he's not a quarterback. He has run more this year than he normally does. I'll give him credit for it. But he's a pocket passer, and when you close the pocket on him, you know, I, we've seen him struggle a bit in the past. He's had the, some of this consistency. He was the best quarterback in the CFL early in the season. What happened? The Eskimos didn't allow any sacks. They allowed three in, like, their first six games or something like that. So if you want to start there, it's get that rider's defense after Trevor Harris early uh, is how you get, you know, kind of out of your funk early in this game. I don't think their defense has had early game struggles. I guess it's just offensively. I don't know what do you do offensively. Uh, maybe you get William Powell running a little more uh, early in the game. Uh, but it's, it's interesting because the last show we did was uh, right after that Bomber game in Regina. We did our post-game show two weeks ago. Uh, yes, and, and the, ra- gave you the anger and the rage but still burns in my memory banks. Thanks for the reminder, bud. And, and I kind of gave you a hard time on that episode uh, because you were saying, you know, you don't think the Riders are going to go places in the playoffs when they, because you thought they should have won the game by more than they did, given that the, uh, the Bombers have been struggling lately and they started slow in that game. They didn't necessarily finish all their drives that they should have. And then they did that again this week. Like, maybe this is starting to be a bit of a concern. I don't think it's a big one uh, that they are, but, you know, it has been noticeable in some games this year that the Riders early in the game have struggled to get going a little bit. And honestly, it concerns me against the team my Calgary. If a team my Calgary comes out and punches them in the mouth, goes up 10 or 14 nothing, I'm not sure how the Riders respond to that. Yeah. But that would be any team against Calgary. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I mean... The Bombers fell behind early in Calgary and somehow put up 17 points in like uh, less than two and a half minutes to get back into it. But that's a very dangerous situation going down early against Calgary. Uh, before we move on here, Mike, can we just talk about Brian Burnham for a second? Absolutely. Anytime you can talk about a diver on my fantasy team, I like that. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he almost put up more points for you this week. The non-catch, it was so close. His toe just on the white line in the end zone. Ridiculous one-handed grab, I think it was. Um, absolutely beautiful. He made some other great catches in this game. Like, even without Mike Riley, like, yeah, Danny O'Brien, who's he going to lean on? He's going to lean on Brian Burnham because 
there's a lot of argument going on around the CFL right now. You know, who is actually the best receiver in the CFL? A lot of argument for Brandon Banks, obviously. Um, Shaq Evans is trying to make a claim to be one of the top receivers in the CFL here. I think he's up there as one of the top ones. But you got guys like Banks, Addison, Bagleton, who had three touchdowns this week. I think, I'll say this, I think Brian Burnham's the best receiver in the CFL. Okay. So here's the question for you. Is it as simple as Brian Burnham against Cody Bajardo for West MOP? I don't know because I, I don't know if Burnham's going to – first Dude. of all, I think Cody Bajardo's going to be a, a strong nominee. I, I don't know. Give, give me one reason why Brian Burnham does not deserve to be MOP. Because the BC Lions didn't make the playoffs. I'm not saying that's a reason that I would vote based on if I got a vote in this. I'm saying I can see that being in the minds of the voters. You know, your most outstanding player on your team, sure, but did that get your team anywhere necessarily? No. But, uh, but is sure, that... it helps them pick up a couple wins. To play double advocate, is that Burnham's fault? No, it's not his fault at all. It's not his fault his quarterback was on the ground half the season. But I, I just don't know if there's enough momentum, especially since I feel like it's not too often you actually see a wide receiver go out and be the nominee uh, for most outstanding player. You know, a lot of a lot of emphasis gets put on the quarterback. I, I, I think if you're talking about Western nominees, you're, you're probably talking about Cody Fajardo as a very strong one. You can see defensive players slip in there sometimes. I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Willie Jefferson being considered based on his, his athleticism and some of the huge plays he's made. But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cody Fajardo come out of the West as the Western uh, nominee. Cody Fajardo against uh, Brandon Banks? Fajardo against Banks. Maybe Vernon Adams slips in there. Heck. Well, let, let's switch to talking about Hamilton here. Another huge game. I know it was against Ottawa, but 450-something yards passing. Does Dane Evans make his way into conversation for most outstanding player nominees, given he's had a heck of a season since taking over for the injured Jeremiah Mazzoli? Yeah, I think it's going to be somewhere in and around 11 or 12 games that when it's all said and done. So, I mean, to me, he's looked fantastic. Like, he did so again this week. You know, he broke out in the second half. He had a slow start to the game, which was a bit surprising. But he got it done. He's been throwing touchdown passes left and right. That Hamilton offense is on the roll. And they also, this week with the win over Ottawa, set a franchise record for wins in a season. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see Dane Evans be an MOP nominee, as crazy as that may have seemed uh, back at the start of the season. Question for you. How, how do you not have Dane Evans as your number one going forward into 2020 in Hamilton? Because Jeremiah Mazzoli was an MOP nominee last year? You know, if you have this crazy case where you may, if Dane Evans as a nominee, have the last two years Eastern MOP nominees, Signed to your roster, and it's a case then of which one do you choose, right? Um, to me, you stay with. I know Dane, Dane Evans. To me, here this is a very simple discussion. You don't know what Mazzoli's going to be like coming off his knee surgery. You have two years of contractual financial uh, assurances with Dane Evans. I think you run with Dane Evans. Yeah, I, I, 
and I agree with you probably on that. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it's just it seems so odd to me to just move on from Jeremiah Mazzoli after the success he's had there. But hey, you know Dane Evans has gotten it done in the regular season. He gets it done in the playoffs and breaks the Grey Cup drought for Hamilton. Yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say Dane Evans is going to be back as a starting quarterback next. And, and I think we know now, Ryan, why Hamilton was so ditty on moving on from Johnny Manziel at the time. Because who in the third stringer in Hamilton behind uh, Manziel and Mazzoli? Dane Evans. Well, it was Vernon Adams, and then he got shipped out to Montreal. Um, Dane, uh, Dane Evans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be fair, I think there were um, multiple other reasons the Ticats were so willing to move on from Johnny Manziel, uh, despite Dane Evans. But, uh, hey, Evans went from being a fourth stringer a year or two ago to now potentially being in uh, number one position. So, props to him. You know, he's been given the opportunity. He's making the most of it, and he's playing outstanding Uh Huge win for the Ticats this week. Uh, yeah, 452 yards passing for him. So the, the Ticats on a roll. I, I don't know who stops them or how they get stopped. Um, I, I know how they get stopped. I think the only team that can stop them, to be honest with you, is Montreal right now. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think uh, I think there's a strong possibility, as, good, as tight as this West race is, that uh, Montreal, one of Montreal or Hamilton will win the Great Cup. I, I, uh, the, the Eastern teams may be my favorites going in. Maybe not if Calgary is in the Great Cup at home. I might have to go with Calgary as my favorite just because of their home record. But Hamilton and Montreal are both looking really, really good right now and uh, both picked up another win this week. And I'm interested to see if they play each other this week. The game means nothing besides you know, being maybe a bit of a teaser for the Eastern final this year. Uh, I'm interested to see how these teams kind of, you know, uh, play this chess match this week because I don't think you want to give too much away for that potential playoff matchup, given that this game means literally nothing in the standing side of them. So, in your mind, what's the game of the week this week? Winnipeg Calgary or Montreal Hamilton? Oh, Winnipeg-Calgary, just based on the uh, the playoff implications of it, uh, Hamilton-Montreal is certainly going to be a thrilling matchup. They had the back-to-backs early in the season uh, where they did split that, and that was a surprise when Montreal came out and won that second game. Things have changed a lot since then. I, I'm excited to see this matchup between the two. I just don't know how full throttle either of these teams is willing to go Uh two, three weeks before potentially another matchup in the playoffs. I feel bad for Ottawa and Toronto because I don't think anybody's going to be watching that game. Hey, that could be a fun one too. You know, it's kind of fun seeing some of these guys who are out of the playoffs because it gives you a chance to see some of the up-and-coming talent in the league that we may not have seen otherwise. And, you know, we saw this week if we want to transition quickly here to talk about the Toronto-Montreal game. Yep. Um, that, that was a heck of a game, and heck, the Argos were a uh, missed field goal on the final play of the game away from sending the game to overtime, which I can't believe we almost got another Montreal overtime game this year. It feels like we've had so many. Uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson gets the start in this game, and I thought he looked pretty darn good. 35 of 45. 342 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. 
And uh, his big receiver on the day being a uh, guy who got into the lineup because Darrell Walker was out. Uh, Chandler Worthy having uh, 93 yards and a touchdown. A uh, guy who hasn't gotten into the lineup very much. So it's kind of interesting, you know, late in the season, as much as you want to write off these games as a snooze fest, I, I think it's fun to see some of the young talent uh, because these teams are trying to build for next year. And a guy who gets a shot now, we may see being the number one guy next year. It's interesting. Uh, I I just tend it over. I remember one of our episode titles because I was going back with the two and zero Red Blots. I did not envision that they would be three and thirteen going into this game. They no, I don't. I don't think anybody did at the time. I think we wouldn't have been surprised to see them at this record before the season started. I know you had Toronto lower than Ottawa in the in your preseason predictions. I had Ottawa in last place. And maybe add them with a couple more wins than this, but I'm not entirely surprised looking back on things, you know, given the uncertainty at quarterback, given how much they lost at the, uh, on offense in the off season. I, I'm not surprised to see Ottawa where they are. It's just, they're getting to a point now where it's, it's almost unfathomable to pick out Ottawa to win a game here, right? And, and they play Toronto this week, which they should be able to beat. But, you know, spoiler alert, I'm still picking the Argos. Wow. Shouldn't both these teams be believing that they should beat one another? You would think so. I, they're both, you know, they're at the bottom of the standings and have both struggled all season long and both have some big flaws and and some bright spots. I'll, I'll give them that. But, yeah, battle of the 3-13 and 13 teams this week. Uh, interesting for all the wrong reasons, I'll say. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, just talking about that Toronto-Montreal game, it's interesting because we thought Michael O'Connor was going to get some snaps for Toronto. You know, they have all their – we thought they were going to spread it around between the cornerbacks a little bit, but uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson plays the entire game, plays lights out again. Like, Toronto has nothing to play for this late in the season, right? Like, they're out of the playoffs at this point, but McLeod Bethel-Thompson still – has a heck of a game and is trying to pull out that late comeback win over Montreal here. I got to give the guy credit. He played spectacular in here. And I'll say this, I don't know if he's the starter going forward for Toronto. I think Toronto has a lot of other problems that are not just quarterback related here. Um, McLeod Bethel-Thompson needs to be part of the Argos organization for 2020. I don't know if that's in a starter role, at least as a second string. But, but I think you have to bring him back because he's shown enough bright flashes to me to say, hey, maybe if we fix some of the other problems here, you know, this guy could lead this team a little bit. Yeah, it's a very uh, it's a very complex situation. And to be honest with you, I was thinking about this one. Uh, I don't know if we actually had a chance to talk about this, but the Ardos firing Jim, Jim Pop and replacing him with Mike Pinball Clement, I, I think they hit a home run on that hire. Absolutely. Pinball is one of the most respected guys uh, in Toronto sports and, uh, you know, great ambassador for the CFL. And I love seeing him there in Toronto. I think it was an excellent move by the Argos. Mike, let's start wrapping things up here for the show with our usual CFL Pick'em CFL Fantasy Talk. Uh, CFPN Fantasy Challenge. I managed to pick up a win over Safamod from the Piffles podcast this week, improving myself to 13 and 6 
Uh, still tied with Travis Curra of the Two and Out CFL podcast for first place overall in the league. And uh, we face off this week in week number 20. Winner will win the season series and finish ahead of the other in the standings. With a win this week, I can officially clinch first place in the league going into the playoffs. So, uh, boy, I better I, not mess things up. I, as long as you don't pit Danny O'Brien or somebody like that to be your quarterback, I think you'll be fine. Oh, it's okay. I can't pick Danny O'Brien this week. He's on a bye. Good. One less. Uh, <laughs> good. It doesn't give you any, uh, any negative ideas. But I can assure you I will uh, probably, you know, change my lineup a million times throughout this week, uh, as I do almost every other week. But, yeah, lots of fun CFPN Fantasy Challenge. Check out at CFPod Network on Twitter. Top eight of the ten teams make the playoffs, playoff kickoff, same time as the CFL playoffs. So we'll see who takes home the ultimate title in uh, just over a month here. Uh, Fantasy League, Mike, uh, we didn't update things last week. We had a couple trades last week, at least you did. Uh, what your trades last week were? Sorry, hang on, Ryan. Uh, you're losing connection. Am I still here? Am I there good? we go. Yeah, you're better now. All right. So our our CFL Fantasy League, uh, last week, your trades, Mike, uh, you did trade um, the injured Mike Riley for Logan Kilgore, and uh, you did swap out a receiver for Hergie Mayala. I believe it was Ricky Collins. Yep. Um, this, you did beat me this week. Uh, I didn't make any trades last week. You did beat me. I'm just trying to find the totals here. Uh, scrolling back through our conversation history. I have parked now, by the way, if anybody's wondering if I'm doing this while driving. I am not. I was driving hands-free device the entire way. Um, last week, you beat me 180.64 to 173.3. Uh, overall totals, uh, you are at 2845 point thirty six. I'm at twenty nine ninety eight fifty four. So about hundred and fifty behind Mike. You got two weeks left. You gotta make these trades count. You've caught up this much earlier in the season. It's still possible. What are you doing for roster moves this week to make your yeah I put told yourself you, forward. I told you one of these moves I'm dropping loading Seldor picking up Trevor Harris and I think he didn't play this week and I need to change some points. The other move I would Telling you about, I'm not going to do. I'm going to take uh, Terrell Sutton of Hamilton, and I'm going to drop my injured team Terry. Okay, so you're going to make those two trades for my two trades this week. Uh, I am going to swap out John White, who's on a bye week. Uh, a Canadian running back. Uh, I wanted to go. Uh, Ante Milanovic leader who, from the Calgary Stampeders, but it looks like Don Jackson's going to play this week. So I'm going to go to the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'm going to pick up Brendan Galanders uh, from the Ottawa Red Blacks and just so I can get a Canadian so I can make another move here and uh, drop my Canadian receiver also from the BC Lions on a bye week, Shaq Johnson, and I can go and pick up a guy I dropped earlier in the season who has been lights out lately, and I am picking up S.J. Green. Ooh. Uh, hey, Toronto's playing Ottawa this week. S.J. Green's been on a roll. McLeod Bethel-Thompson's been on a roll. I, I like that pick up there. So we'll see if that pays off. We'll see if I can hold down the fort here and uh, lock things up. 
in our fantasy. The uh, only dis- fantasy game. The here. only disclosure, Ryan, is I would double check to make sure John Crockett is not making his return for Ottawa. Well, John White wasn't going to play this week anyways, True. so I'll make that trade and we'll we'll see what happens with that. Uh, CFL Pick'em, uh, the week before, we didn't talk about this because we didn't have a show, uh, four games that week, I went 0-3, um, I refused to pick a winner of the Toronto-Ottawa game that week just because I knew I was going to get it wrong and I tried to keep my Pick'em streak going, turns out I would have picked the Argos and they did win, so maybe I should have done that, uh, 0-3 week for myself that week. I don't remember what you did, but you also refrained from picking a winner in that game. Sorry. But, yeah, we did, don't trust your team anymore. We'll see if we pick them as they face off again this week. But uh, this past week, I, 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 think, I think, and you can you can confirm this, we had the same picks, and we both went 4-0. Correct. So we redeemed ourselves. We redeemed ourselves a little, so let's wrap this up and get into our Week 20 picks. Two weeks left in the season. Kicks off Friday night. Winnipeg hosting Calgary in the rematch. Who are you taking? I am going to take Calgary just because I don't know who's going to be the quarterback for Winnipeg, but I'll be happy to be wrong. All right. I am going to... Go out on a limb here and say that Chris Strebler somehow plays in this game still. Leads the Bombers to a win here. It's hard to win the back-to-back and sweep that uh, home field advantage. Give me the Bombers to be clear here. I think they win this week. I still think Calgary wins the week after and takes home field advantage. But, heck, Bombers win in Friday night over the Stampeders. Why the heck not? I guess the Bombers' home record and the bat-to-bat didn't apply for Calgary, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. I I just have that hunch. I'm going the Bombers. It was a close game last week. I think they can pull it out this week. Uh, triple header on Saturday starts off with Montreal hosting the Ticats. Interested to see where you're going with your pick for this one. Well, just because there's nothing to play for, I, I don't know what to make of it, but I'm going to go with Montreal. Why Montreal? I just, I believe, I think mean, Montreal has more to play for just about, you know, establishing themselves for a potential game in the, in the Eastern Final. And uh, I think Hamilton is due for one more loss. I really don't think Hamilton can run the table from here uh, to, to the Grey Cup. I think Hamilton is best team in the CFL. I would not be surprised to see them sweep things the rest of the regular season here. Uh, I love Montreal, but I'm going to go with the Ticats on this one on the road. Uh, next game, Ottawa-Toronto. I will pick a winner in this game, and I'm picking the Argos. I loved how McLeod Bethel-Thompson played last week. I loved how the Argos kept it close against Montreal. I don't like anything going on with Ottawa right now. I think the Argos pull it out just as they have the yeah. previous two times these teams met. Yeah, buddy, I'm with you on this one. I, I, I agree, and... Uh... No, I I just think that there's a lot more to like with McLeod Bethel-Thompson than Ottawa right now, and it, it's it's gonna come down to desperation and who wants to win what I would be considered a very important evaluation football game. And finally, super quick because we're in our final two minutes here, uh, taking the uh, I'm taking the Riders on the road to beat Edmonton in Edmonton. I I think the Riders are the better football team. Ah, that defense has been really good lately. I'm taking the Riders. 
I'm pitching Edmonton at home. Harris throws for 350 in his return. All right, that wraps it up pretty much for this episode of the podcast. Uh, we are part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out cfpodnetwork.ca, at cfpodnetwork on Twitter for all the other great shows. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at CFC on Mike FM. You can find Mike at Mike Darrell, myself at Cooper Trooper 42 and uh, like, subscribe on all the podcast platforms. For Michael Darrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week, and enjoy this week's games. Bye. Bye.